This is Our House by Art, Humanity, and Action, a podcast where activists tell stories about the first time they realized they had to get involved and what happened next. I'm your host, Nicole Ferraro. And then I said, okay, I got to get to work. I couldn't sit back anymore. This was me really standing up and saying enough. We decided that we really needed to have an organized response. I knew I had to be involved. I wanted to help. Our stories are actually the biggest things that we had to make a difference. My mom knew I was going to run for office before I did. My husband didn't think I was going to, and I thought she was crazy also. She told both of us. It was, it was a conversation that we would have at home regularly, and when I finally made the decision, my husband was shocked, and my mom just started to laugh, and she's like, yeah, I, I told you that. She knew. There is no way I would have run this campaign without my mother. Uh, she watched my children as much as possible. My mother, my mother works. Uh, she's a teacher, and she would come home at 3.30 every day and take the babies. And I couldn't have done it without her. You're listening to Luba Gretchen Shirley, economic development expert, former congressional candidate, badass mama to Mila and Nicholas. We first talked about Luba's run for office on this podcast last season on our episode with Shafi Rahman, who met Luba when she started posting action alerts and hosting town halls for New York's 2nd Congressional District following the 2016 election, which was not long after she gave birth to her second child, like I said, badass. That must-do, can't-sit-still activist spirit did not start for Luba with the 2016 election. It started in her childhood, around the dinner table, at her home in Amityville, Long Island, the same house where she still lives and raises her family today. My mom was actually working with our local uh, county legislator, Maxine Postal, to fight Shoreham nuclear power plant. And she had me at three, reminded me very much of my daughter during this campaign. She had me in Maxine Postal's office stuffing envelopes and getting things ready for protests and meetings. And when, when they finally shut down Shoreham, I remember hearing it on the news and my mom was in the backyard and I got so excited that I ran out to tell my mom and I thought the screen door was up and I went to go push it and it was still the glass door and I put my hand through the glass door and I have this lovely scar across my vein because of that. I have my first political scar when I was three years old. I stayed up late watching the election results with my daughter, who was, who was two at the time, and probably that week I actually reached out to the local Democratic Party and I wanted to know what to do, how to get involved, how to do something more, and nobody got back to me. And then I found my local legislator, you know, some local officials, and I, I reached out and I wanted to know what was the plan, and nobody got back to me. And then in January, I got an email from the local party saying, if you had signed up to volunteer and you haven't heard back yet, send us another email. And I started a Facebook group instead. It was an indivisible group. I registered it on the indivisible website and I started posting action alerts. And I remember sitting on the playroom floor nursing my son, who was just a few months old, putting this Facebook group together thinking, what am I doing? What is the plan? What am I going to do with this? And I honestly didn't know. After a few days, we had almost 400 members. And I, I started to realize that people were looking for options. I honestly had no intention of running. And people kept asking me, you know, I'd have my, my baby strapped to my chest and people would say, so you're going to run, right? 
And I wanted to do it, but didn't think there was any way I could manage that with a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I kept trying to find other role models, other women who had run with young children. Kirsten Gillibrand gave birth in office, and I remember finding a few quotes from her and thinking, well, she can do that, I can do this. So I launched the campaign on October 23rd, and I did not have staff or or babysitter or help really for those first two months. And I was told that I had to raise $100,000 before anyone would take me seriously. And I remember thinking that that was truly crazy. I you know, have a background in nonprofits. I've worked in economic development my entire life. I do not have a wealthy family. I do not have wealthy friends. I didn't know how I was going to do that. I put together an Excel document of every person I'd ever met in my life. And I started calling. And I was doing that. I dropped my daughter off at preschool for two hours, a few days a week. And I'd walk around the neighborhood with my son in the stroller and I'd call people and I, I raised the money. And then my son broke his leg and ended up in a body cast. My campaign manager started the day after I got home from the hospital and she thought I was going to quit. I thought about it for a few minutes. Then they let me go into the operating room with him as they put him under. And I walked out and I was hysterical crying. And I was talking to my husband and the nurse and a social worker came up to us. And they were talking about, you know, a special car seat that we were going to need, how much it was going to cost, what our insurance was going to cover, what our insurance wasn't going to cover. And I looked at my husband and I said, this is exactly why we need universal health care. And the nurse said, well, if you had Medicare, this would be one call and it would all be taken care of. And at that moment, I knew I wasn't quitting. I was going to somehow figure out how to do it. It was exhausting and I had you know I got him down for a nap and I left him with my mother and I went back to the office and Elizabeth Warren called me for the first time that night and we talked politics and then I ended up telling her about you know my day and what had happened and, and the children and we ended up having this incredible mom conversation and she told me that you know we moms when we run out of milk we make breakfast with orange juice and she gave me a mom pep talk and it was necessary and it was so helpful I had hired a campaign manager and a finance director, and we were raising money and doing call time while balancing a baby in a body cast. And we realized that it wasn't sustainable, that if we were going to continue to build the campaign, I needed help during the day. Running for Congress is a full-time job without a salary, and I couldn't afford childcare. And we put in a request to the Federal Election Commission, and we, we asked if I, was, if I could use my campaign funds on childcare. And to my surprise, 25 representatives wrote in in support. Hillary Clinton wrote in in support. I remember taking my kids down there and sitting down in front of the commission and, and being, I was all ready for all these questions. And they didn't ask one question. They just made a statement about how this will break down barriers for working parents to run for office. And I was shocked by the news coverage. Every national news outlet covered the story. Fox News said it was the one bipartisan thing they could agree on. Nine federal candidates used this ruling uh, during this election cycle. We've seen moms in eight different states put in similar requests. I couldn't tell you how many doors I knocked on election day. We were just out there talking to voters and then I'd run into other groups of canvassers while we were out knocking on doors. The turnout was, was more than double what it had been in 2016 and it was really exciting. We got to the, to the hotel, and I think by the time I, I went downstairs and I had realized that I, that I did not win, 
I spent most of the night consoling everybody. And then I got up there and I said, you know, we came this close to beating Peter King. After 25 years, he won by 24 points in 2016, and he only won by six points this time. We did the impossible. We did what, what no one thought we could do. The next day was hard. The next day it hit me. But honestly, I, I, I moved on pretty quickly because I knew there was so much I wanted to do. My four-year-old daughter knows that women run campaigns. We were reading The Princess and the Pea, and there's a part in the story where it says the queen you know, left, left the princess. And she said, well, what does it mean she left the princess? And I said, well, she put her to bed and she left so she could go to sleep. And she looks, oh, you mean she went to a fundraiser? I'm like, this is what my child is learning, that after I put her to bed, I go to fundraisers. That's, that was normal life to her. And she was used to it. Um, so I, I like that she learned that. I like that she knows that women run for office. I like that she knows that women manage campaigns. And I thought about Vote Mama for the first time before the campaign because I wanted to make it easier for other other moms to run. There are a lot of organizations, incredible organizations, that focus on getting women elected. We're the only organization in the country that focuses on getting moms elected. You don't realize the obstacles that you face as a mother with young children. Donors don't take you as seriously. Uh, the press doesn't take you as seriously. Voters don't take you as seriously. Everyone doubts whether or not you're capable of doing this. You can serve and be a good mother, and you can do both, and you can juggle it. You just need to be able to talk to other people who have done it before. You need that support system. Luba Gretchen Shirley is now founder and CEO of Vote Mama, which you can find at votemama.org. In a moment, we will hear more from Luba about the organization and her plan to help progressive mothers get elected to office at all levels of U.S. government. Luba, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thank you so, so much lovely for having to speak me. with you. So you mentioned that you have started this amazing organization called Vote Mama. Tell me a little bit more about what it is, what it does, and what you're doing right now. Vote Mama is the first pack in the nation to support moms, to get moms elected up and down the ballot and across the country. Even with this historic 116th Congress, there are still only 25 moms in Congress who have children who are 18 or younger. There are over 100 dads, and we're missing out on the voices of people who understand at a visceral level what it's like not to have paid family leave, what it's like to worry about finding affordable childcare, because right now it's more expensive to send your infant to childcare, to daycare, than it is to send your teenager to a four-year public college. We are missing out on the voices of people who understand how difficult it is to make sure that your child is getting a good education. We are 27th in education. We do not have universal pre-K in this country, and we need to change that. If you are a mom running with young children, you are immediately discredited. There are some women who have recently applied to get support from Vote Mama, and they went to their candidate screening the other day. And during their candidate screening, the Democratic Party said to them, what will you do with your children? How are you going to manage your children while you run? That is not a question that men ever face. If you have a photo of your children during your campaign, you're immediately accused of using them as political props. But if a man uses a photo with children, he's looked at as more responsible. And that's, that's what you're facing. So Vote Mama is not only going to provide 
the mentorship and the networking, but we're going to provide the funds. So when you, you need to raise money early in your campaign, a $5,000 contribution earlier in your campaign is so much more critical than later in your campaign. So we want to provide early support for candidates, for Democratic women who are running. We have four criteria. They have to be Democratic moms of children who are 18 or younger. They have to support universal pre-K, paid family leave, and be pro-choice. And then we want candidates who are going to go out there and talk about issues that working families face every day. And we launched three weeks ago. We've already gotten more than 60 applications from 25 different states. It was incredible. We didn't even try. We weren't recruiting, and we received all of these applications. We've heard from moms across the country who are running. That's amazing. It's, it's really exciting, actually. So somebody gets involved, and they're, they're ready to be mentored. Uh, what does that look like? So we are accepting applications now. We're going to do our first round of interviews in March, and we're going to announce our first group of endorsed candidates in April. And then we'll roll out our second group of endorsed candidates over the summer and one more round in the fall. We're hoping to endorse 80 candidates this year for state races and local races. When you become an endorsed candidate, you're going to have access to our advisory committee. We'll put you in touch with, with moms who have already done this, who have already run and won and run and lost to give you that behind the scenes, real perspective of what it's like. We will give you the funding and we'll be there to mentor you through the process of getting your campaign up and running. We've already talked to a few women who've contacted us just to help them get their call time program set up, to, to talk them through how you make your first hires, how you start fundraising, how you get a campaign off the ground. And we're putting together this, this bank of mamas helping mamas, women who, who aren't running but who want to help, who will donate their time. And we've already had about 30 people who have signed up to do that, to have volunteer. We have a woman who will take uh, professional headshots for first-time candidates. We have a few lawyers who will give pro bono advice to candidates who are just starting out. We have people who've said they'll help write policy uh, platforms and proposals for candidates. And that's incredible. So we're going to give them the support that they need. If somebody wants to get involved in some kind of way, how do they do that? They reach out to us. Um, Sarah's email is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at votemama.org. Um, and they can send us an email. They can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. And we, uh, we'd love to talk to them. I'm sure you're hearing from people every day. And I'm sure there are people who are listening to this who want to run for office and are trepidatious for X reason. How do you encourage them to take that first step? It's if you feel passionate about something enough that you can't sit back and you can't remain quiet anymore, that's when you know you have to run. And it will be hard. No one is going to tell you that that is not the case. But you need to get out there and do it. And your kids will be okay. Your kids will come with you. I mean, you saw my children running around the office all the time. One of my favorite things about being there was whenever they came in. Yeah. And they, I mean, they love it. They they always talk about it. And it's it's a, it's a family experience. Running for office, your entire family is involved. My husband, my mother, my children, everyone was involved. If you, if you feel passionate about it, if you want to get up there and fight, most, most people will tell you, and the reality is you're fighting for your children and you're fighting to make sure that other people's kids are okay. My kids were my biggest hesitation and they, in the end, they were the reason I decided to do it. And there are a lot of moms who were involved in my campaign who now want to go out and run for office themselves. And I think that's great. When you start to see other women doing it, you realize, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. And that's how you get more women into office. Luba, Gretchen, Shirley, I want to say thank you so much for being here with us on the podcast and for being in the world. You are one of my favorite human beings on earth. 
Thank you. You are one of my favorite as well, Nicole. Too kind. <laughs> Thank you, Luba, for being on the podcast and for everything you do to inspire people, to help families, and to help more moms run for office. If you are a mom who's looking to run for office or if you want to support Vote Mama's mission, which of course you do, please go to votemama.org. This podcast comes from Art Humanity in Action and is produced and edited by Jeff Rose. Music is by Audioblocks. You can find more activist stories on the podcast and information about our live shows at arthumanityaction.com. And if you like this episode, we would love it if you shared it with a friend. In the meantime, thank you again for listening, and thank you for being in the world. <laughs>